0: so it's really caused me to take a look at some of these things in my life that are really quite ordinary, but for whatever reason I have elevated it to a place of honor that is exclusively for Jesus Christ. And this is not something that is new for humanity, obviously. If you take all throughout, uh, a look at it, throughout all of the Old Testament, the history of humanity is one that has consistently gone against God. They have consistently found ordinary things and have elevated it to an extraordinary level of honor and glory. You take a look all throughout the Old Testament and throughout all of the Old Testament, God is trying to reveal himself. He's trying to reveal himself as a God of mercy and grace. And yet the people of God have consistently tested him in their false worship and their Uh, corrupted worship of him and God has set in the Old Testament God set himself up to uh, to be uh, he set up the nation of Israel to uh, to to be used as a beacon of light to all the world that was their job and they didn't do a very good job of that they were consistently focused on themselves they were focused on other things and so a lot of times God was too busy trying to discipline the nation of Israel that the light of God had a hard time spreading throughout all of the earth in the way that God would have liked. And throughout all of the Old Testament, we see um, something, that, something uh, peculiar that starts to emerge. Um, you, see, you see Abraham starting to build, uh, sacra- build altars, and they called them high places. And he, would work and he would offer sacrifices to God. And these, these high places would be places that were outside. Some places they, they would build an inside component, but most of the time it was an outside place, usually elevated or usually shaded by something. And it was a place where you can offer sacrifices to God. And then as time started to go on, you started to see the term high places being used in a more negative connotation because more and more the people of God used these places where they usually would offer sacrifices to God and they started offering sacrifices to other things. Israel was so much guilty of this one thing that God had to uh, put the nation of Israel into exile. And you see that the northern part of Israel uh, was exiled by the Assyrians. And in Second Kings chapter 17, we see a little bit of a picture of this. We see that the nation of Israel once again fell into idolatry. And it wasn't that they didn't know God. It was that they also had this corruption of worshiping other things. And if you take a look at verse 9 in 2 Kings chapter 17, it says the Israelites secretly did things against the Lord that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all of their towns. They secretly did things that were against God. All of the outward components, all of the public component of their life, said, I am a worshiper of God Almighty. But in secret, they found themselves doing things that were against God Almighty. They started building high places where they elevated ordinary things to an extraordinary level of glory and honor. If you take a look at the Hebrew words that are used, that were translated into high places in English, you, the, it literally means to lift up, to elevate. That is what it is. And so they were elevating things in their lives that were not of God. So God said, I have to discipline you. Just like any parent would with a child. Who is found doing something that is unhealthy. The, child, the parent disciplines the child, right? We can, we can expect nothing less from God. He loves us so much that he wants to discipline us. He wants to discipline us so that we can once again turn to health, turn to life. So he goes and he exiles an entire nation of people. And he replaces, uh, the Assyrians go and replace the people who were once living in, in the land of Samaria. And he replaces them with people who are of noble uh, capacity throughout the Assyrian Empire. So people who were leaders, people who were influential, people who were going to start trade again, and they would go and fill these fill Samaria with these types of people. The only problem was is that they committed the very same sin that the Assyrians committed. They worshipped false idols. They elevated ordinary things. As a result, God disciplined them as well. So. They were in the midst of doing their everyday business and suddenly lions started to attack them. I don't know about you, but that would get my attention. I I see one lion, one, walking down the street. I'm walking the other way. Um, These were packs of lions and they weren't very, uh, you know, they weren't the cuddly kind that you see in videos or whatever that you can hug and snuggle. And these were lions that were looking for lunch. And so they were attacking the Assyrians and word got back to the empire that the God of Israel is mad. They're mad at us and we do not know how to worship the God of Israel. So they sent a priest. They taught them the ways of the Lord. Taught them the law. Taught them the rituals. Taught them what it looks like to worship the Lord. Didn't go very well and we see in verse 41 it says even while these people were worshiping the Lord they were serving their idols to this day their children and grandchildren continue to do as their ancestors did so we see that there are there are times that we can have everything going for us we will have all the outward indicators of worship we go to church we read our bibles When we come into a worship service like we just had and we just sing songs to God, and if we're really into it, we close our eyes and we raise our hands. All of these are the outward indicators that we are committing acts of worship. But in our hearts, it's not as easy to see. And in our hearts, we can hide them from everyone else, but God knows whether your heart is pure or not. It knows the motivations. And so it causes us to, want to ask ourselves, how do we worship God and be able to be pure in heart? Because these, these people, they, they had all the outward indicators, but they were hiding things in secret. They had something in their hearts that said that I value something else. It's not always as uh, in your face as we would like. And we're going to be taking a look at the God of money today. And sometimes focusing on money to the point where we have raised it to be an idol in our life isn't as noticeable as we would like. But we, as Christians, can take a look at the Old Testament and we can see the nation of Israel time and time again putting idolatry Um, in front of their hearts and in front of their faces on a continuous basis. But Jesus, when he came, he knows that humanity is continuously looking for ways to honor things that should not be honored. They're they're always looking to substitute where he should be. And so he he went and gave us this warning in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Throughout the morning, we'll be going through verses 19 through 24, but we're going to start with verse 24 first. No man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We, we find from this uh, from this verse here that what you serve is what you worship. What you serve is what you worship. Um, the, The text that we had before there is they worshiped God, but they served their idols. And I think a lot of times we have it mixed up in our head that worship is one thing and serving is another. And in reality, they're the exact same thing. You cannot worship God without serving Him with your life. They're connected together, and I think that a lot of times, uh, Pastor Mark and I were talking about this this past week. Is that we have this false notion of worship? It, be, it has become very ritualistic. We come here, we sing our songs, we listen intently to the preacher, we 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 pray, we pray before our meals. These are all rituals that we do. But when it comes to serving, we find ways for our heart to be devoted to something else. So you see, what you serve is what you worship. Um, My question to you is, where do you find your security? Where do you find your security? Because where you find your security is where you're going to serve. If you find yourself consistently asking questions about how can I make this dollar amount work, and you consistently ask, if only I had a little bit more, because then I'll be secure. See, Jesus Christ has consistently re- revealed Himself, I am your security. I provide security. Don't look to these other things there. This, this stuff will eventually go away. I am your security. And so when we take a look at money and say, if only I had this much, then I'll be safe. No, you're not. You have trusted in something that doesn't deserve your trust. Because money can be taken away from you just like that. Only God has the credentials where he can say, I hold you in the palm of my hand. Trust me. So who are you serving today? Are you serving God? Or are you serving money? We have this phrase that, you, that we've heard often, I know that I have, called the almighty dollar. People who are working for the almighty dollar. And it's like we've elevated money in our society so much to the point there that we give it this term almighty dollar. And in reality, we have, we have, uh, we have seen throughout uh, the last few years that the almighty dollar isn't what it's all cracked up to be. We have seen ourselves as a country go from humble beginnings, and then we have slowly worked our way up. We've committed some atrocities here and there to get there, but we eventually have gotten to this place of prosperity. Then the Great Depression happened, and we said, never again. We're going to fix this so that we can be prosperous and it will never happen again. And so we've created this plans. We've created all of these safeguards. And we're going to be a nation that's going to continue to be prosperous and continue to go and go and go. And then the last few years, we have seen the insecurity of the stock market. Things that have crashed, and then it's gone up, and then it's crashed. And then people are starting to wonder, even if it's up, does it really matter? Because it it, it might be just a a nice little deck of a house of cards that all you need is a nice swift blow and it will go over. Our very idol has been challenged before us, but it has not stopped us from trying to prop it up into something that it is never meant to be. You take a look at what our answers are for society and what our answers are for this world. What is it? It is... when we go to a third world country, if only these people had money. If only these people had money. If only we can teach them to be more prosperous and teach them to fend for themselves. That way there won't be corruption. There won't be any of this other stuff, although we seem to find corruption no matter where it goes. But it doesn't stop us from saying, let's prop these countries up so that they can be capitalistic, so they can be entrepreneurial, so that they can provide for themselves. And what is the answer? The answer is money. We go to some of these countries and we say, if, if only we can teach them. If only we can teach them to do things. and And, and we can teach them to... Uh, to 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 keep themselves uh, clean, and we can teach them to uh, to treat their illnesses, and if we can treat them, uh, t- teach them how to uh, do, to do, to uh, build wells and things like that. All of these things are noble things. All of these things are helpful things. All of these things are things that we should be looking to do. However, if we are elevating these ordinary things into something that is the ultimate thing, then it doesn't really matter anymore, does it? You see, Jesus Christ is, is, he is the Savior of this world, and as such, He's the one that deserves honor and glory. He's the one that should be looked to for answers for society's ills. If the answer was education, and if the answer was money, we would have found it a long time ago. Empires have gone to be prosperous and then they have fallen. We have had all of human history to educate ourselves. And yet when we read the last few weeks of the newspaper, we have seen that humanity is continuous in their pursuit of evil. We still have people who go and murder their, their, their you, you still We still have people who beat their children into, con- into concussions. We still have people who are enslaving people. We still have people who are committed to war. We still have people who are committing genocide. We still have people who are stealing and we still have people who are lying. Evil is something that is continuous, is something that humanity has shown that they are very good at committing evil. They are very good at propping up their own interests over God's. So if the answer was education and if the answer was money, we would have found that solution a long time ago. So my question to you is, is what are you serving? Where do you find your hope? What motivates your decisions? When you set goals for yourself, how many of them has to do with money? Your retirement? How to pay your bills? How many of your goals strictly have to deal with money? And how many of them have to do with, this is where I want... This this is how I want to be following Jesus in my life. This is how much, this is how, um, this is how pure I want my worship of Him to be. Not only can we tell what we, uh, not only can we, uh, not only is what we serve is what we worship. But your heart follows what you treasure. Your heart follows what you treasure. I think a lot of times we like to switch it around. And uh, we say what we, uh, our heart, um, what is in our heart is what we treasure. But I think that once we place a value on something, our heart has a tendency to go there. Especially what we're giving our heart to. So let's turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So, here's my question. What brings your heart happiness? What brings it happiness? Is it that the God of all the universe has chosen to love you and care for you? Or do you find yourself only happy when you find yourself financially secure? When you get the next new toy, That you get to play with. What makes your heart happy? What makes you uh, giddy with anticipation? I think that there are a lot of times. Where I have pursued after something. And I have gotten it. Only to have something go wrong with it. Within the first day. And I got to tell you. I am not very Christ follower-y in those moments. There's not a whole lot in my life that says, you know what? That's a follower of Jesus right there. He's handling disappointment really well. No, I usually um, I, I get a little angry. Sometimes I may actually hit inanimate objects, including the thing that broke. Uh, and sometimes it breaks even further, which is not really good. But um all that to say is, is that the things of this world they break pretty easy don't they and even the things that don't break very well something can go wrong something happens just like that and it's gone someone comes in and they steal it something happens an act of God happens and a whole uh, a whole a building is destroyed So my question to you is why do we insist in putting all of our hopes and desires, security, into something that can be ripped away from us so easily? When Jesus has said, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we have something that is that secure, isn't that should be the thing where we value? Shouldn't that be the thing that we treasure? Because it's the only thing that stands up. It's the only thing that will be there for all of eternity. And in the context of eternity, what does it matter if I all of a sudden encounter $100,000? What does it matter? $100,000, God's going to look at it and go, that's nice that you made paper and made it green. Isn't that great? It's cute. You put numbers on it and pictures of people and everything. Can't really do much up here with it, can you? But you've, uh, you've spent a whole lot of time getting this stuff on the earth. But when you get up here, it's not even going to be here, is it? It's going to be still down there, rotting. Becoming part of the earth, where you came from, by the way. I think we, uh, I think uh, in the context of eternity, we find a little bit more of what is worth valuing. Where we value things, that's where our heart will be. God has told us that if uh, if, if we uh, if we turn to Him, He will change our heart. He will show us. To value what to value, what to, what to consider, what not to consider. I don't find that money has a whole lot of communicative properties to me, you know, where it actually speaks to me. Uh, never once have I had a $100 bill uh, say anything to me. I've had a lot to say about a $100 bill, but a $100 bill has never said anything back. Giving our hearts to inanimate objects just doesn't make any sense. It isn't worth putting that kind of treasure into. But so the creator of the universe wishes to speak to you? How valuable is that? That he actually goes out of his way to speak to your hearts. And not only speak to your hearts, wish good things for you, and provides for you, and and makes you secure eternally. Your heart follows what you treasure. If you treasure Christ, your heart will be there, and your heart will begin to transform into what it was intended to be. You'll fix your broken heart. I don't know if any of you have encountered this before, but there are times to time, from time to time I will be at a church event or I'll be at a family event and somehow I will look around and I will see nothing but children all around me. And I'll look around and I will look for the adults and they're gone somewhere. Somehow they had a meeting. They all looked at each other and said, Now, and they left. And then I'm looking around and I'm still there. And so I will be, I'll be there with the children and, and somehow we'll be playing and then somebody will notice a toy that somebody else has. And I'll, I'm guessing that most of you know what is already going to happen. The child comes over and goes to grab the toy. And what does the other child do? Mine! This is mine. Even if it's not theirs, they will say, mine. And I think that there are times where we give really possessive of things. You see, children have that instinct, don't they? But we have that instinct as well. And I think the very, I think the, the, the very fact that children have that instinct shows that there's something inherent within humanity. There's something inside of all of humanity that craves that mine, 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 I want, give me, give me, that that thing that we point to children and we say, you have to stop that, that's childish. And in reality, when we grow up, we do that exact same thing. We look at something and we say, mine, mine, we don't want to share, we don't like sharing, we want it to be part of just us and that's it the fact that we have to give something away the something that we've worked so hard for we say no this is mine that you can you should work to get your own and we take such possession over these things and in reality it's where we it's where we've shown that we treasure we treasure stuff we treasure money turn with me to Matthew chapter 19 Matthew chapter nineteen verses verse sixteen. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, "Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good?" Jesus replied, "There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments." Which ones? He requested. He uh, inquired. Jesus replied, "You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept." The young man said, "What do I still lack?" Jesus answered, "If you want to perfect, if you want to be perfect, go." Sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, where, where your, your heart follows what you treasure, for this man... He valued, he treasured the things that he had. And as a result, that's where his heart was. that's where he served. that's what motivated him. He did all these other things, but he couldn't uh, get that one thing that was out of his reach. And in the end of the day, we have to come to our th- to the third to my third point here. And something that was mentioned by our worship team this morning is where you focus determines your spiritual health. Where you focus determines your spiritual health. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So when when we focus our, th- when we focus our attention on things, we're never going to earn enough. We're never going to be secure enough. We're never going to be prosperous. We're never going to be able to be like the million dollar man that says every man has a price and every man must pay because the million dollar man always gets his way. At the end of the day, it just comes down to where is our focus. Are you focusing on the king of eternity who has all things in the palm of his hands? Are you focusing on something that cannot buy you What is the most important thing in the world? We're going to close with Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's important to note that this passage, this verse is sandwiched in between verses that are talking about money. I've heard a lot of people take this verse to mean other things, and the overall principle is correct. The way this was nestled in between two two passages about money, it seems clear that this passage is talking about, are you focusing on money? Is your eyes on stuff? Is that where you find your security? And if it is, then it invites nothing but darkness. But if you're focusing on something that is full of light, then that is where true health comes from. Can we have our instrumentalists come come forward? We, uh, what is great about being a follower of Christ is that the Holy Spirit has promised to speak to each and every one of us. He has promised to reveal Christ. And He has promised to convict us of all sin. And today, it is no accident that you are here listening to this message, listening to Scripture that talks about what you treasure, talks about what is important. So there's really nothing more that I can say that is going to be as valuable as you hearing from the Holy Spirit Himself. So what I am going to encourage you with now is, is we're going to take a moment to pray. This might be very new for you. But all it really takes is you shutting yourself in and saying, and focusing on God. Say, God, have I been wrong here? Is this something that I need to change in my life? Some of you have already felt the conviction. And if that's the case, this is your time to repent, to turn away from the things that you have elevated in your life, to turn away from money, possessions, and the security and the hope and the glory and the honor that you have placed money to be. Turn away from that and focus on Christ. It's not enough for us to feel bad about it. We have to be willing to decide that I'm going to walk towards Jesus. After all, this is all about worship. And it's about the trueness and the pureness of our worship. And worship is more than us singing songs here. And it's more than us coming to church on a regular basis. It is how we live our lives. It is what we serve. So let's pray for a moment here. Ask God, is there something wrong? Let's repent of that and make a decision that what we focus on and what we serve will be Christ Almighty.